Hey everyone, Taylor here and thanks for listening to the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. The intro for this episode is going to be a little different. As all of you know by now, 19 children and two teachers were shot and killed in a mass school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde is a little over 80 miles west of San Antonio, which is where I live. I wanted to take this opportunity to amplify some ways you can help the local community there in Uvalde. If you live around Uvalde, San Antonio, or anywhere else in South Texas, please consider giving blood at a blood drive near you. Another way to help is to donate money to some of the various fundraisers for the families. Uvalde CISD has created a Rob School Memorial Fund that you can donate to via mail or by sending money through Zelle to robschoolmemorialfund at gmail.com. If you want to write a check, the mailing address for the Memorial Fund is 200 East Snowpool Street, Uvalde, Texas 78801. Be sure to make checks payable to Rob School Memorial Fund. The City of Uvalde is also accepting donations for medical expenses. Checks should be addressed to the City of Uvalde and sent to P.O. Box 799, Uvalde, Texas 78802. GoFundMe has grouped all of these fundraisers together in a single category and made them really easy to find. I'll put a link to that GoFundMe page on Twitter when I release this episode. Here's a list of some other organizations that have created funds or fundraisers that you can donate through. The University Health San Antonio, the League of United Latin American Citizens, One Star Foundation, the Community Foundation of the Texas Hill Country, Victims First, Catholic Charities Archdiocese of San Antonio, and HEB even has an option to donate at checkout when shopping both in person and online. If you're able, please consider making a donation. The community in Uvalde has been devastated and they desperately need our help. No one thinks it'll happen in their community until it does. We need to come together and support the people of Uvalde however we can. Just a note before I get into the podcast, this was recorded last weekend before the shooting. My guest today is UFC welterweight prospect Preston Parsons. He's coming off an impressive win over Evan Elder at UFC Vegas 52. We talked about that, his path to the UFC, and what's next for him. Hope you guys enjoy. Right. There we go. Preston Parsons. Welcome to the show. Good to be on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. I uh, really do appreciate it. Uh, you, you looked great in your win over Evan Elder. It was just, just a super impressive uh, victory, especially for someone, you know, just, just really kicking off their UFC career. Um, it, it, it seemed like no matter where the fight was, you know, on the feet, on the ground, whatever, Elder just, it just didn't really have any answers for you, it, you know, with in the striking, striking or the grappling. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about that win uh, and how you're feeling about it uh, about a month later? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it still. I, I'm still kind of living it up. I've never won a big, I mean, I've won plenty of fights, but not a UFC fight. So that definitely means a lot more to me. Um, but Evan is super tough. He his his kicks were good. My forearms were still kind of lumped up. I don't know if it will, ever go back to normal but um he had some, some good kicks but uh i was training really hard for that fight i had a lot of a lot of good training coming into it uh, i had a lot of good people in my camp with me i have a lot of good fighters here at home uh, mm-hmm. a lot of good pro fighters and amateur fighters 
I went to Atlanta for a few weeks to train at ATT with the uh, Lima brothers. Okay. So um, I was pretty confident coming into the fight. Uh, I knew that if it stayed standing, I would do just fine. And on the ground, I felt like I could get the submission. Yeah, well, uh, you, you looked great on the ground. Like, your, your wrestling was awesome. Like, the timing of your takedowns, the reversals, you know, I mean, it was all great. Uh, especially some of you ground and pound, man, you, you had, you had some moments there where you were throwing just some, just some brutal ground and pound. I think, you know, at one point you started raining down some elbows and, you know, you cut them, uh, above and below his eyes. And, uh, it, it, it was, it was brutal, man. I thought, I thought you were about to wrap it up there. Were you surprised by elders toughness and the fact that you weren't able to finish him? Definitely. And I was trying the whole fight to get him, get him out of there. Uh, really tough. He was doing a good job when I was in mount to kind of scramble, move his hip side to side, made it hard for me to control the position to, to land some good ground and pound. But the ones that I did sneak in, I definitely threw them with intent. So um, <laughs> I, I know I got one of the cuts in the first round. I think it was just like a short elbow. But uh, I think the last one was in the third. But uh, he, he was definitely super tough. And I talked to him in the ER and he said that everything I hit him with felt felt solid. Yeah, no, I bet it did. You, you cut him like you had him like cut above and below like both of his eyes like there at the end of the fight it was it was crazy to see it it was even crazier that that you know he he lasted the whole fight obviously just a just a super tough dude right that just says more about his toughness he was super game the whole fight he was still still fighting back the whole fight too it's not like he gave up at any point right right yeah he was still you know he was still putting forth offense you know he was I mean, he, he was in there, but man, you were just, you were too much to handle in that fight for him. Um, you know, you, you mentioned your, uh, your, you know, your fight camp and the training and everything. I, I know for your UFC debut, you know, you didn't have a full camp, you know, you, it was more of a shorter notice type thing. Can you, can you talk a little about your preparation for the fight with Evan Elder um, and, and just, you know, how much having that full camp really, really benefited you? Uh, it, it definitely it helps with everything. It helps with the weight cut. It helps with uh, game planning a little bit. Um, the When I fought D-Rod, made my debut, I fought about a month before that. It was June 5th, and I fought in Jacksonville on the regional card and then wasn't really training too much, kind of taking it easy after that win. And then uh, we had a, a week notice to fight D-Rod, so we kind of just went, went for that one. And uh, I definitely wouldn't take it back. It was a good learning experience. But for the training camp, for – it was supposed to be Luis Cosi before uh, he got COVID, I guess, right before the fight. So I ended up fighting Evan instead. Mm. Uh, but it was just uh, a lot of – it was it was a lot of hard training, but it was kind of similar to what I've done in the past. Uh, I, I work a little bit of everything. I have wrestling days, jiu-jitsu days, striking days. One thing I focused a little bit more on this past camp was doing a little less sparring and um, kind of focusing on uh, pad work and um, – hard hit workouts Tabata workouts and I had um, some different coaches kind of work for me this past fight to kind of improve on some of the areas that I needed to be improved in yeah no and I, I think it showed man like I said just a you know, super impressive win that you had back in in April um, I want to kind of uh, transition here you know talk a little bit about um, how you got into MMA because I feel like every fighter kind of has a has a different story about, you know, how they got into it. What was your first experience like getting into, into combat sports? Um, it was a little kind of newer, I guess, around the area that I'm in in Jacksonville. I started 
right at 10 years ago. So um, I was too young to fight. So there wasn't, and there wasn't very many amateur promotions to fight for. Uh, but I first got into fighting and combat sports when I was really young. I was super into the Rocky movies and just underdog story. And I, I wasn't the, the best athlete as a kid. So, um, but I definitely, so just the underdog kind of being the person that can, isn't super talented, isn't super athletic and still kind of make something of it. So that's kind of what got me into sport. And when I was, I think 11 or 12, I started doing karate then. That, that didn't last that long but i got into mma when i was 16 and it was my choice so i was i was there every day i was training every day i had a good wrestling coaches a lot of good people around and uh, it's since then just only gotten better yeah what um yeah what what has that journey to uh, the ufc been like what was you know you know did you always know that you would end up in the ufc uh, one day. Yes, I, I've always kept that in the back of my mind. I, I've always knew I would get there. Just so ten years of doing it and not getting there is a little, little discouraging. So it was discouraging towards the end. But I have a, I have a really good manager, uh, Steve Swedish, that kind of really pushed me to get to the UFC and um, pushed getting me there. I guess. So uh, everything, everything I'm sure reasoning and time, reason and time is important. So. Uh, I think everything happened in perfect timing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and shout out Steve Swedish, man, for helping set this up. Uh, you know, really glad that we were able to, you know, work through him and, and get this done. Um, when, when did you know that you wanted to go pro? Like, did you, was fighting pro something you wanted to do? Like when you started training at 16, was it always something you wanted to do? When, when did you know that you wanted to make cage fighting your career? I, I knew before I even started training, I kind of, I saw it. My stepdad introduced me to some of like the, the original UFC fights and I was friends with some of the wrestlers and I'd always love boxing in the front yard and stuff. So <laughs> as soon as I saw MMA and I saw that I could fight, that it's, I knew right then that's something I was going to do. And that that's what I was going to do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. It's just like, once they finally took that step, you know, to actually making it happen. There was just, there's, there's no turning back, you know, it, it, it definitely takes a special kind of person to, you know, to fight in MMA as a career, but for those type of guys like you, like Gabe Green, like, like a whole bunch of people, you know, I, you probably, you probably can't imagine yourself doing anything different. Can you? No, not, not anymore. And even before I, I don't really, I'd probably be miserable doing something else. Yeah. Now, something that was interesting that I, that I heard from Gabe Green, because he, he grew up out in uh, California, you know, and got his start out there. And I heard you say the same thing that he did, that there just there, that there wasn't, uh, you know, that it, it wasn't a big amateur scene um, in, in California for him and Florida. For you. It's kind of confusing to me. You figure that those would be two states that would have a bigger amateur MMA scene, don't you? You know, you think. Right, definitely. I know South Florida has kind of always had them, but it, again, the sport's growing. Just even over the last five years, it's grown a ton since then. So, and, and also for me, I was so young that I wasn't even allowed to fight until I was eighteen. So, right. That's when I turned eighteen. It was just it was on from there on. Oh yeah, no. And did um did did the lack of uh, amateur opportunities there in 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 Florida kind of lead you to going pro? uh early 
you know, like if you could go back, would you have had more amateur fights before you went pro or do you think you, you did it, you know, just right? Um, it, for me, it was never really fine. There was, um, there was always one good promotion. Man. I always had um, uh, combat night was uh, I, I actually Mitchell Chamali's where I met my manager. Uh, and he's always been okay. a good guy and a good promoter. So combat night was always there, but other than that, there was no other promotions nearby. And I, they only came to Jacksonville, I think once a year. Um, so kind of happened to travel to Lakeland to uh, Miami and everywhere else to fight, but combat night's always been a good promotion. Yeah. Do you, do you still train over there in Jacksonville? You might've already said that, but do you still train over there? Yes. Yeah. I, I train here. I own a gym here too. So I own a gym. I have uh, a partner and we, we have a good fight team. So we have me and probably like a half dozen pros and a dozen amateurs. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What, uh, you know, how, how was that process like starting up a gym? Um, the, the gym I was at before, I kind of ran pretty much all the operations. Then I taught all the classes and stuff like that. So it wasn't too unfamiliar for me. Um, but opening up right in the middle of COVID, that was kind of, a that was kind of tough. So getting through like the first six months, first year, it was kind of difficult. But then after that, again, I have a lot of good training. It's not just me there. I'm not the only fighter. So I have a lot of good coaches and a lot of good coaching coming in and out of there. Right. That man, that's awesome. Um, do you happen to catch any of the, any of the fights over the weekend? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I watched, I watched all of them last night, but I, I when I watched, I guess probably closest is the um, drawing a blank on their name, but uh, Michelle Ponzian, I I can't pronounce the last name that well. Right. But the two seven years, the the co-main last night, I watched that one. And I watched the main event of two, of course. I think Holly Holm won the fight for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was definitely going to be my next, you know, my next question there. I think everybody who watched that main event is kind of, kind of scratching their head a little bit, you know, I mean, you look at, you, you, you look at how many, you know, strikes Holly landed compared to Catlin and Holly had over 10 minutes of, of control time. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's not kind of, it's really crazy that, you know, Holly didn't get her hand raised there at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Seeing the numbers after the fight made it even more clear, but it, it seemed like Holly was the aggressor for the most part too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I th- yeah, I think we were just all expecting Holly to get her hand raised and then it, you know, then it didn't happen. And of course, you know, they, they talked to her after the fight and, you know, even since then she's, you know, said that she thought she won and, you know, just like pretty much everyone else, except for those two judges sitting there. Um, she took it well. because I, I, I know she had to have been upset. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, imagine you know and i i talked with gabe green a little bit about this too um it's just you know bad judges have have always existed you know it's just kind of a it's a thing about the sport that you know the fans the fighters even dana you know complain about uh you know all you know all the time it seems like there's always some controversial decision that's lighting everybody up um and, and i saw some people talking about you know, like ways to remedy that. I, you know, I don't know how much you can do about the actual judges uh, themselves, but I, I saw some people talking about, you know, implementing like an open scoring system. Uh, and it, I, w- I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that that's something that the, the UFC should look at implementing? What do you think? Um, no, I, I've seen some stuff like that, but I, I kind of, I like the way that it's 
done right now. I, I don't think they're doing, they could do anything much better, but um, maybe make sure the judges are actually knowledgeable. And uh, I'm not exactly sure like if they can see all the numbers right in front of them the whole time. It's all like computerized now where it shows like how many strikes are being land. And I know they're watching the fight too, but if they were watching that fight, then they definitely would have picked home the win. So it's hard to say, it's hard to answer that one, but I've, I do kind of like the way it is now because like letting it would be a little probably biased if they had a bunch of like like an open judging. Yeah, and I and I've seen some people say, you know, like if you if you let the fighters know what the score is going into each round, like you you know you might have some fighters that are like you know shit I'm up I'm up two three rounds you know why not just kind of coast my way through you know what I mean like so there's there are some issues there but man you know it. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a problem that's been around for a while. And like you said, you know, I don't know that there's an easy fix for it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, open scoring, it's something it's, I think Invicta does open scoring. Um, I, could, I might have the promotion wrong, but there is one kind of notable promotion that does it. And I know even with uh, promotions that have open scoring, some fighters tell their coach not to let them know what the round is. Cause they, you know, they, they don't want to know. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably want to know, but how do they do it? Do they do it like on the social media they judge or is it like a website where they're, they're watching and they can do it online? Uh, I'm, I'm actually not really sure exactly how they do it. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, it's an interesting system. Uh, and then, you know, PFL has like a unique uh, judging system too, where like the, like the commentators, you know, judge the rounds as they're watching them. And then they've got like a whole, uh, they've got like an algorithm. I can forget what they call it something, but like there's an algorithm that they use to determine like who the algorithm thinks won that, that round. Um, I don't know. They, that's, they, that's pretty cool. That's, that's interesting. I, I, I need to look into that more. Yeah. 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 Go. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, I, so, you know, I, I've introduced a lot of my friends to like the UFC and then some other MMA promotions and PFL is one that always uh, sticks out to them just because of the way that they, you know, that they do th things differently over there, especially with the scoring system. It's, it, it's real neat. You'll have to, you'll have to take a look at it. Yeah. What, what did you think about the, the co-main event though? I think a lot of people who were watching last night were really looking forward to my, you know, to to those two fighting um I think, what, what uh, was your takeaway ponsonibio yeah i think uh, yeah explosive he's doing all flying knees and stuff so i think he he fought pretty good um i definitely wanted to see some backflips and some fly, more flying knees and stuff but uh <laughs> other than that it was still it was a good fight there was a lot of back and forth uh it's it was a close decision it's hard to really say who won that one as well yeah, it was, you know, just back and forth, you know, the whole way through, uh, like you said, super, super close decision. Um, I've actually got to wrap up uh, here before too long, but, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, man, you know, your win over Elder was super impressive. impressive. I mean, you know, wrestling looked great. You, you know, you, you dominated them in, in pretty much every uh, – aspect of the fight you know what what are you looking at moving forward you know what are you thinking is next for you you have any names in mind you know what are you, what are you thinking i'm watching the uh the welterweight 
weight class a little bit more closely now that I've, I've gotten some wins or I got that win. Um, I broke my hand in that fight. I had surgery a week ago, so I'm, I'm healing my hand up, but hopefully I'll be fighting again in October. So October, before the year's up, I want to fight again and hopefully fight like a top 15 guy, top 20 guy, get a get number next to my name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how are you feeling after that uh, After that surgery? How's your, how's your hand feeling? It, it feels fine. It's been a week now, so it's healing up good. It was kind of surreal the other day. I saw the x-rays, and I have a big, big screw, screw going down the back of my hand now. So that was kind of different to see. But it's, it's healing up good. I can almost use my, my finger again. Okay. How, how, how long do you think it'll take before you're able to get back in there and get back to training some? They told me 12 weeks total. It's been about – it's been one. So, I I think I'll be kind of training again in six, maybe a month from now, kind of rolling around and touching a little bit. But I'm not supposed to punch for 12. But I think I can start punching again after eight lightly and then hopefully smashing things again by 12 weeks and get something scheduled. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely real excited to see you fight again, man. You know, after a win like that, you know, you – you really just look forward to to what's next for you know someone like you to come off a big win like that, man. I'm I'm gonna be watching close. I'm real I'm real excited about it. Um, just before we wrap up here, you have any any sponsors or anybody you want to shout out? Anything like that? Um, Ruby Ruby SE, my manager Steve, uh, my gym Elevate MMA, and all the guys that train there. Um, and that's that's about it, honestly, right now. Yeah, special shout out to Steve again for helping us get this set up, man. I, you know, I really do appreciate you coming on the show and uh, no talking problem, to me. Man. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's I been do. a lot of fun. Uh, anytime you want to come back on, man, just just hit me up and uh, we'll make it happen. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right. Bye. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. That was my conversation with UFC welterweight prospect Preston Parsons. If you haven't watched his most recent win over Evan Elder, I would highly recommend doing so. His wrestling, striking, and overall skill set really shined in that fight. You can't help but think that he has a bright future in the UFC. I really enjoyed talking to Preston today, and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at BonfireBriefPod so you don't miss the next episode. Also, who should I talk to next? Shoot me a DM or reply to one of my tweets on Twitter and let me know. I'm always looking for new guests to invite on, and I would love any recommendations that y'all have. Thanks for listening.